Hello and welcome to another episode of The Grey NATO. It's a loose discussion of travel, diving, driving, gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 137. We thank you for listening. Jason, how you doing? Oh, it's cold here. It's uh, <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. I mean, we're, we haven't had a proper winter in a few years and, and we're feeling it. It's uh, hasn't been above minus, uh, I guess it would be about minus 20 or so centigrade for most of the week now, so... Well, that's certainly um, cooler cooler than here. So that you're uh, you're getting extra winter, but it's snowy and cold here, and I'm not really going outside very much. Oh yeah, you guys got dumped on, didn't you? Some snow. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, it's uh, it's funny when the weather's uh, nice. So when we get good winter weather, Gashani and I do a lot more hiking and and go to the the downhill ski area and do some skiing. But but when it gets this cold, despite her fancy suit, she. Uh, opts to stay in like a smart person. And so that, that leaves time for me to go cross country skiing. So I've been really bundling up and, and going to some of the local trails and, and getting back on my cross country skis, which I'm encountering such an annoying problem because when it's this cold, I want to cover my face, but then my glasses fog up. I mean, it's, it, there's no, there's no good solution to it. I can't, you know, using products like cat crap or, you know, whatever to anti fog stuff um, just doesn't, doesn't do the trick. So I'm either going without glasses and a balaclava to cover my nose, or I'm going with glasses and keeping my I face mean, would, bare. would it work to use like uh, like downhill ski goggles? That might be my next, uh, my next thing. If it stays this cold, because that would isolate my eyes from my breath. So yeah, we'll see. And, and I'm just, you know, as if, if it's one of those like nice sunny days, it's just blinding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you definitely yeah. want something on there. Otherwise you get home and all you, all you see is kind of like pink stars for, for right. a little while. Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, that's kind of, kind of what's going on here. I've, I've been working hard on the, the novel I'm, I'm aiming for an April release for, for depth charge. And, uh, so I, you know, I, writing the book was, was difficult enough, but this end game of, of figuring out, you know, marketing, shipping, printing options has become, um, it's not unpleasant. It's just a lot of work. And so mm-hmm. I've been working with a local printer to get quotes and ideas and choose paper and then trying to, to figure out the, the whole shipping side of things. I've been frustrated with, with us postal. So I'm exploring some other options and then, um, working with a really fun designer over in, uh, in London, who's been helping me out with the, the book cover and also some uh, cool animations and some, some stickers and some f- fun freebie stuff that I'm going to put together here um so keep keep an eye on the the depth charge novel instagram feed for uh for more more info about that but uh yeah fingers crossed uh late april release for for the book and um I, i've promised my my paying subscribers on my Substack uh newsletter that they'll be getting an excerpt of the book in a few weeks and then uh early order access to it so um yeah so it's, it's pretty exciting it's coming down to it by by this time in, you know, two months or so, I should have a physical book on my desk, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh boy, that's super exciting! Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to read it and, and to see, you know, what you've got planned for the rollout. You've, you've, you know, shared some of the little details with me. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a nice way to kick off uh, spring summer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, good timing. Re- read a few pages, jump off the dock, that sort of thing. Be <laughs> exactly. <good. laughs> I should make a waterproof version. <laughs> Have it come in its own little dive bag. Oh yeah. Okay. Don't don't tempt me with the with yeah. the with the hard zipper. Yeah, right. Or the or the little roll top that, that they clip over. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Would be really <laughs> just, cool. Just just sized for the yeah book. yeah. Which I guess then would work for your phone and other stuff. Yeah. 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 Right. Maybe not a bad uh, bad idea for some swag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I, have like, uh, I, I was on borderline depressed filling out, filling out the show, the show notes today. Uh, cause I just, I have like nothing to report. <laughs> I, I've been working a lot and, um, let's see, I got our new router. It's pretty exciting. Oh, okay. Was this to mitigate the, uh, the strange buzzing sound in the house or just better speed or what? Uh, just having some connectivity issues, oh. um, with, uh, with, uh, having maybe too many clients on at once. And then, well, it's funny you, you mentioned that, that that's not exciting, but I, I would just say that I wouldn't mind on a future show doing some discussion about, um, tech or gadgets or something at some point, because I have a feeling, and in fact, I know you're savvier than me. And I think we have probably a lot of listeners that would be keen on talking about 
you know, uh, home-based tech, whether it's, you know, cameras or, um, you know, security systems or, or music or that sort of thing. So let's, let's file that away for a, a future topic. I think that'd be pretty good actually. Yeah, can do. I, I definitely don't think we need to talk too much about routers. No, um, no. Just, just go on, just go on wire cutter and buy the one that they recommend. That's, that's the easiest thing to do for something like a router. Yeah. Uh, has always worked for me and it worked just fine this week. So cool. that was, uh, that was good, but hopefully that means I stay online during this recording, which would be a plus, yeah. but no, the buzzing I, I've not solved. So I, I can see my desk from where I'm sitting right now, Yeah, but I can't put a microphone there to record. Hmm. Um, I think this might just be the, the way things are, yeah. um, until I maybe don't live here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hmm. but yeah, so that's fine. I'm, I, I have to, when, when we do these recordings, I have to sit somewhere else, uh, that doesn't have a really annoying buzzing sound. Have you swept for listening devices? You know, maybe, when- uh, no, <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't swept for, they can listen. I mean, I'm recording. <laughs> I have a lot of listening devices, you yeah. know, my phone, yeah, phone, right. phone and yeah. microphones and the rest, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done a ton, uh, lately, certainly since we recorded last, just working. Working a ton on on some bigger stories with Hodinkee and and uh, a few other you know projects in the go, but nothing uh, nothing really. Just uh, you know, like like I think I've said in previous episodes, just kind of pining pining for the warmer weather. Yeah, I'm feeling it too, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 done with winter. I think I think that's where <laughs> I'm at. I probably started done with winter, but I'm definitely done with it at this point. Yeah, the days are getting longer, and that makes it more tolerable. But this this cold snap is uh, starting to make me pull my hair out, which uh, you know, makes me think of, uh, in just a couple of months, we'll be, we'll be out, uh, gardening and on our bikes and whatever. So that gives, that gives me hope. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, that now's that time where you can, uh, learn a new skill or, or yeah. plan your garden yeah. more extensively or, or, or whatnot. And, and we're certainly doing some of that with, uh, with plans for uh, the cottage property and the, and that kind of thing. So oh, cool. it should be, uh, should be a good season and certainly one that I'm looking forward to, yeah. but, uh, what do you say we uh, maybe move towards a watch-based topic of some sort? What if, uh, well, let's do the uh, the wrist check. What have you got on this week? Yeah, I've got one that I haven't talked about on the on the show before. Uh, I recently, let's say within the, within the past three months, picked up uh, an Aquastar Benthos 500. So this is a vintage piece. Uh, I would say I haven't been able to figure out the date from a th- serial number, but I'm guessing it's either 1970 or early 70s. Um, Big professional grade dive watch from from Aquastar. This was kind of their flagship diver um, for for a number of years, and and I, I'm just so excited to have gotten a, a, an old one because I've looked at them for for many years, and um, it arrived a, a little bit rough. The the dial and movement were a little bit loose in the case, and then the hour and minute hand were missing looms, so they <laughs> they were pretty much skeleton hands, which made them very difficult to see. And I know some hardcore collectors are going to scream at me through the through their phones or their listening devices here. Um, but I, I went and I had a watchmaker add a little bit of tinted loom to the hands because I want to be able to see them and and thus wear the watch more, which has made a huge difference. It, he did a great job that the loom matches. This was at, uh, at Wix and Jewelers, if they're listening. Uh, thanks a lot, Lenny. Um, he's a he's a great watchmaker down there. I uh, highly recommend uh, any sort of vintage restoration work. Uh, take it to Lenny, um, but yeah, it's a it's a cool piece. So this this has it was apparently the the first dive watch to be rated for 500 meter water resistance, and it's what's really cool about it is it has a center minute chronograph. So 60 minute chronograph. So you hit the button, and it even though it's already set to zero, it it starts the the count up, and once it reaches 60 minutes, it just stops. So it doesn't keep running. It just, it counts up to 60 minutes, which is great for a, a dive watch, um, which you can use to kind of time your whole dive and then use the bezel for timing other stuff if you want. And, uh, it's just a big chunky kind of cushion shaped case. And I don't know. I love it. I've been wearing it a lot lately. I put it on a bone strap and it just kind of sits sort of chunky on my wrist, which, which I love. I saw it on your Instagram and yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really cool piece. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, well, I'm glad you're getting some wear out of it. Um, you know, those are, those watches from that time are really fun, right? The seventies were a weird, pretty weird time for (laughs) watches in general. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and certainly the, the watch that I'm wearing was born in 1971, but not mine. Um, I've got the Explorer two, 
Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't, I don't really know why. I, I haven't really been wearing a watch a ton hmm. since, you know, since the new year uh, here or there. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted to make an effort uh, to, to have something uh, that kind of makes me smile. And, and so this is back on the bracelet and, uh, and uh, it's great. I've been wearing it uh, most days the last little while. Yeah. That's a great piece. I mean, very wintry, I guess, with the, the polar yeah, dial the configuration. Polar. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes with everything, and it—it's not really a watch that like looks wrong if I stay in my pajamas all day, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. So it's—it's it's good, and and I've been I've been working on a story that looks back at the uh, the Explorer Two uh, and kind of puts it in that '70s context. So I had been wearing this just to kind of keep my mind, uh, you know, kind of churning on that story. Yeah. Nice. All right. So what do you say? You want to dip right into uh, the main topic? Yeah, we've got a good one today. You you came up with this last week and I thought, I think it's just a fantastic idea. Why don't you tell everyone what we're going to talk about here? Yeah. So we, we've, we've got a big list of brands. Uh, the, this first episode of first version of this show is, is probably going to be um, all brands that we're all super aware of. But the idea is, you know, uh, these kind of quick chats uh, as to what Jason and I would do if we were the watch brand CEO for a day or a year or whatever, however long it would take to enact some change. Uh, so yeah, we're going to go through brands, kind of chat about what we think they do really well, maybe where they've, they've encountered some, some struggles and then make a suggestion. Maybe it's a product, maybe it's a, a way of marketing or, or something else. But the idea is, uh, is, is what would Jason and I do if, if we were co-CEOs of, of a given watch brand for a given amount of time? Yeah, I think that, I think that covers what we're going to do. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's a neat concept. I think we'll be able to kind of tick off the list here. Some will go quicker than others, but, uh, what did we start with? I think we've got we've got a dozen, maybe. I don't know. We Ten might or to, something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. We'll see. But let's start with uh, let's start with this. Let's start with uh, with a fun one. Let's start with Citizen. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're made. You and I are made uh, co CEOs. <laughs> we can do anything we want to to the brand. We can enact any change. We could cancel models. We could make new ones. What 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 do you think? Uh, what what do you think Citizen does really well? That's I think if you're the CEO, you have to kind of like know the strength of the brand. Yeah. Right. And then, and then kind of move in, in that space. What, where, where do you think they kind of shine? I mean, citizens so vast. What I think I heard one time, it's the largest watch company in the world when it comes to combine their movement manufacturing through Miyota and then of course citizen. And they make, oh, yeah. they make just everything from, you know, ladies quartz dress watches to the big chunky dive watches we love. And, uh, you know, in terms of, of TGN centric, uh, focus on this one, I would say their, their tool watch history. I mean, they've got everything from the, you know, the tough series and all the pro master stuff. And, um, I guess what I've lamented about citizen for a long time is as much as I like their Aqualand or their, their pro master dive series, I, I wish they had not gone away from, uh, the more function forward legible ones that they used to make. I mean, I, I I'm a huge fan and I've been on record as, as being as such and of the original Aqualand from the eighties. And I think what made that watch so great is it's incredibly legible. And then through the small digital window, you get all these extra features, including the, the depth sensor. And I think when they mm-hmm. migrated to more of a, an analog display, ironically, all of that kind of went away and they started using small hands to, to track depth and that sort of thing. So I, I noticed recently that, and I, don't know if Hodinkee covered it or, you know, I haven't really read a lot of in-depth coverage of it, but I know Citizen recently released kind of a smart watch, connected watch. And I I just had this idea that you could kind of reissue that original Aqualand with some sort of a, a look back or an homage to the original 80s Aqualand in some sort of a smart watch dive computer formula. You know, something along the lines of what Garmin has done with the Descent, where you make a watch that will do various things, including you know, tell your depth and, and track your dive time. I think that would be a really cool big leap forward for the brand. I think it would make those Aqualand watches, not just sort of fun, collectible analog chunky pieces. They would actually really be able to, to do a lot more. Um, so that, that would be kind of one area that I would look at. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that makes sense certainly. And, and to ha- to take the Aqualand and in my mind, I, I do kind of wonder, is it, is it a, a screen that's kind of behind the hands that when you need more data, it comes on, but otherwise it's kind of like an eco drive thing where it's, it's using as little power as possible, maybe just a couple hands. 
Yeah. Over over you know uh, a screen that's off, or or is it sort of a, a modern iteration of an of a, a analog digital, hmm. maybe with a couple little OLED panels, something that's still high res and could show you a message. But I like the idea that you would take a watch like this that ostensibly looks largely like an Aqualand. Yeah. But it's packing some features. Maybe it does all of the dive tracking, puts it all in all on your phone, so you yeah. get the auto logs and the rest of it. There you go. Um Maybe maybe you could change the time from your phone, mm. um, or, or like a, some of that like middle ground level two level one smartwatch right, sort right. of stuff. Yeah, um, you know, like the kind of stuff that we had with the G Shocks that we we you know did that ad campaign for uh, previously. The the app is sort of a companion thing that unlocks a few more features. Yeah. Uh, but the watch is still kind of a standalone option. But or or I do want you know you could see, you could see them essentially going directly after Garmin uh, in, in making a multi-sport watch that could also do, you know, depth tracking and, and the rest of it in, in a more conventional smartwatch package. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my guess is that a lot of what they create is limited by the fact that they, they are really tied to EcoDrive. Mm-hmm. So if the watch can't be powered by solar and maybe not all smartwatches can, um, but certainly, you know, look at, looking at that, I, I do wonder if, that some of their smartwatch goals are held back by wanting to remain, you know, as eco drive as possible. Yeah. An eco drive solar charged Aqualand that that's a smartwatch and dive computer mashup would, would just be a killer watch. I mean, it would be the, the ultimate sort of modern Aqualand. It would be a great way to almost relaunch that, that family in my mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it would just, I guess it would depend on, you know, cause it, like what you have to think about what we already know about solar, right? Like we've, there's, there's a lot of different solar stuff, but uh, probably the solar with a screen Garmin does that. Yeah. Um, yeah. for a few different watches. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if that, if there's enough kind of enough power there for that. Right. Outside of the Aqualand, I, I think that they, I think that the brand in many ways needs their SKX 007. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people listening are saying, oh, but James, they have that. It's the NY0040 dive watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, and I would say that, you know, some of the fit and finish and quality control and, and movement specs of the SKX007 aren't great. And, and largely, I've, I've owned, I think, three of those NY40s, mm-hmm. uh, a black and two loom dials. They're mm-hmm. really cool watches, but they aren't really nicely made or they weren't really nicely made. I don't think that's a modern um model yeah um i don't think i've ever had a watch that had uh s- such a vague connection between the crown and the hands when it was unscrewed <laughs> uh, bezel's not great uh you know these were these were i believe um 8215 based watches a miyota um you know a simple miyota but they were they didn't keep time that well they could be fine you could get a really good example i had kind of varying examples across the three that i owned um i like the aesthetic quite a bit but in many ways, I think that they need a uh, they need to take the the things that we really like about Citizen, which is like you know really good case materials. You know they use um, different versions of hardening on their cases, and and they use titanium in, in great ways. And they have of course EcoDrive, and I think take all of that and then package it in a very kind of everyday, ready, high value, not too expensive uh, dive watch that looks great on a strap. And, yeah. and I think I think start speaking to people who are looking for an alternative to a Seiko five or an SKX. Um, and they have $250 and what they want is a, is a stylish, uh, dive watch, um, that, that maybe they can easily pop it from a a bracelet to a rubber strap when they're going to go swimming for the weekend or whatever. Um, and, and I think in many ways they're like citizens thinking about dive watches has been too modern. Mm hmm when people first come to watches, especially if they come to watches via the internet, they get to Seiko and citizen. And and I think a lot of people immediately go to Seiko because the SKX is there. Yeah. And I think you need another, they're just, we need a little bit more competition in the call it 150 to $300 dive watch. And I think citizen could make something that looked really good. Um, that, that had the right mix of tech, Typically, with a classic dive watch, you don't want almost any tech. The more simple, the better. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is something to EcoDrive, that, you know, especially for people who don't want their everyday watch to be a mechanical, or don't want their weekend watch to be a mechanical, or don't want the watch that they might, yeah, take hiking, cut the grass, go skiing, uh, go for a swim. You know, just they're they're like their rugged watch. Yeah. Um, I think in in many ways we've we've spoken about 
you know, enjoying having a, a, a quartz backup watch when we travel. I think that could be this as well. Uh, it would always have power, you know, maybe put it in front of a light, it wakes up and, and you keep going. And, and I think, you know, they could iterate upon that with versions that have more water resistance and are a little bit tougher or versions that have GMTs or alarms or other features. When I came to, to watches back, you know, 10, 12 years ago and the, the big forum darlings were the Autozilla and the Ecozilla. And mm-hmm. I, I never latched onto that aesthetic. They're just so over the top with the, the styling, those crazy sort of ashtray bezels and, and multi-level dials and funky hands and just oversized pieces. And I think you're right. I think, you know, to, a, a good uh, counterpart to this smartwatch Aqualand that I'm talking about that would be their full function, you know, tool dive piece would be a great classically styled, well-made, you know, Dura, whatever they call it, Duratech titanium EcoDrive dive watch. Yeah, that'd be really, that's a good good plan. It's a good one-two punch. Yeah, make it really thin because mm-hmm. you can, because it's quartz. Make yeah. it really thin. Give it drilled lugs. Yeah. Give it a really great bezel. You know, like like spend the money on the things like the bezel and maybe the bracelet. Mm-hmm. And make something that when people put it on, they go like, wow, I can't believe I got this for $250. Yeah. And it doesn't weigh anything. And it looks fine when they go to the office. It looks fine when they go to the beach. It looks fine, whatever. Like, just make that, that like, de facto high value option. Yeah. The, you know, every brand needs its Mazda Miata, if you will. Like, at a certain, like, if, the, if that's the idea of a dive watch is kind of as a, a recreational object that is also somewhat practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, just we just need more. I don't like. I, w- I would love more brands to be operating this space, and it seems crazy that Citizen can make so many great watches. Yeah. Um. But they they don't have this this sort of entry point to a a daily sports watch. Um, sure. Covered yeah. as well as Seiko does. Yeah. Good job done. So that's Citizen. That's what we would do. <laughs> right. Um. A new something like a new Aqualand and something like a a direct competitor, a, a Citizen-y direct competitor to the. Uh, the 007. So um, next up, let's go in a different direction. Uh, How about Omega? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've just got one. I mean, Omega is doing a lot of things right. Um, I think uh, one, you know, arguably their most famous and, and, you know, best, I don't know if it's best selling, but the the watch that they hang their hat on is the Speedmaster. And I think the one thing about the Speedmaster that's Achilles heel and the one that people tend to complain about if if you can even say that is it's water resistance people are like oh, i love the speedmaster but um and i'm like why if i if i were ceo if i were if i took over for reynald uh you know for for even a month i'd be like the first thing i'd do is i'd be like hey engineers you know can we can we make the speedmaster pro 100 meter water resistant like you guys can make watches anti-magnetic and go to space here can we can we just add some some beefier uh seals yeah, to the case or, and pushers yeah. to I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it takes, but um, I don't know what it's rated for now. I think it might be at 50 meters. It used to be 30 meters. Um, I don't know. Like, like make a speedy pro that people can wear for everything, including jumping off the dock. That would be uh, such a simple thing that I'm not sure if it would, you know, increase the sales of it, but it would certainly win the the hearts uh, of, of watch nerds everywhere who, who are always afraid of getting their speed masters wet. It, so. it is it is a, a strange omission when when you yeah. mention it in a vacuum. Like we talked a lot about the Speedy on the previous episode, yeah. But it is such a weird thing that that watch isn't a hundred meters with a screw down crown. <laughs> right. Like I understand, I understand that it's hand wound, so maybe you wouldn't do the screw down crown. You do like a double or triple gasket, sure. And people, you'd still get the hundred really easily. But yeah, it it is just wild because it's such a de facto choice in the sports watch world. Yeah. And in the entry luxury, entry level luxury or entry to luxury watches, like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lot of people's like, I see it on Reddit almost every week. Like this, my first speedy, my first good watch, et cetera. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, I, I agree that it, it should be a hundred for sure. It would just make it uh, a little bit more well-rounded, right? I think they've made hundred meter water resistant Speedmasters, not the pro. I think they've done the, what was it? The solar impulse or some of those oh, yeah. kind of oddball There's a lot ones. of Speedmasters. Yeah, but I mean, I know they can do it. So yeah, you know, let's 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 do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, and and for me, I mean, they would literally like I would get into the building. They would hand me my card with my little yeah. picture on it that says yeah. like co CEO, and I would just <laughs> immediately pick up the phone 
dial any extension in Omega and just start shouting about sword hands. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is all I want. I want I want yeah. the new the new um three three hundred meter uh, Seamaster Professional, yeah. but with sword hands like a two two five four. Yeah. So yeah. I, I understand that the, it's like a divide, and 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 my guess is that Omega has a lot of data as to why that uh, that would suggest that the skeleton hand is going to be more popular, um, mm. and and sell more watches. Otherwise, why would they do that? Yeah. But for me, the the for me the 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 sword hands of the two two five four that that stretch all the way back to the MOD stuff. Yeah, they're so beautiful. They hold yeah. so much loom. Yep. And, and like, if like, there's no, I would, I would happily get back into, um, an Omega dive watch. If I could get mm-hmm. that format, I like that you can get the, the great bezel, the great dial, the zirconium, this, the liquid metal, that all of that's amazing. I like the case. I think the case size is really good for a, a modern Seamaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do wish that they made that techie one that's in black titanium. Yeah. Um, I wish that one was 41 and not 43.5 or whatever it is. I think that one a bit smaller would be sick on a rubber strap. All right. And, and we have to get rid of the helium release valve. That oh, yeah. One. No, there's gone. Has, that has, that'd be my first call. You, you go for the sword hands. I'm going to go for that helium valve. That well, is the, I'm sure they'll the, give each of us a phone. It, <laughs> it, is, <laughs> At our desk. It, is the, it is the most annoying thing about, I, to me, I, look, it's not even an aesthetic thing for me. It, looks fine. It's okay to have an extra crown on the case, but the fact that you, if you were in a, in a saturated environment, a a pressurized environment that you would actually have to remember to unscrew that, to, to, you know, decompress Mm -hmm. your watch. is just absurd. It's just uh, utterly absurd. So it's got to go. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's fine that they had it, but no, it's time. I mean, can you imagine a, can you imagine the, the modern Seamaster 300 with sword hands and no helium valve in that case with that kind of cool dial? Be Be awesome. And then they could, and they could start iterating with that. Cause you know, they had the electric blues, they had the non AC mm-hmm. dials, which were, you know, that they had applied markers, the two, two, five, four as standard was painted markers. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously another, a great, another, like it just works that, that yeah. whole format. And then the, the other thing I, that would be my short term. I would say like immediately put sword hands, get three skews out. Let's go. Yeah. No HEVs. Yeah. Um, and then the, the long term, I think that they, they need to work on, on making their movements thinner. Mm, so yeah. as they as I'm not saying that you just like snap your fingers and start making new movements. This is a hugely expensive, time-consuming thing to do. Yeah. But I think that they make some of the finest movements in the world. But their movements are kind of thick. They're very tech-forward. Mm-hmm. You know, anti-magnetic and the rest of it. The meta certification, the master chronometer, the coaxialness of it. All of that is fantastic. But yeah. uh, 40 or 42 millimeter Seamaster. Yeah. Uh, the planet ocean needs to be two or three millimeters thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you could get there by, you know, does it really need 600 meters of water resistance? Yeah. I don't think it does. Right. 200, right. 300 is probably more than enough. Yeah. And, and I think in general, they just need to thin them down. You know, the, the, the two, two, five, four 50 that I would like them to make a new version of is I think four millimeters thinner. <laughs> it's about 11 millimeters thick with that watch. And, and, and I admit that I, I would, wouldn't mind it being a bit thicker than that. If you got like a good bezel, if mm-hmm. you've ever owned a two, two, five, four, they had that scalloped bezel edge, Yeah, which is very difficult to turn when your hands are perfectly dry, let alone if you're in the water. Yeah. Um, so give me, I, I, I prefer a planted ocean bezel, but I, I want the sword hands and I like that wave dial. So I, I would kind of pick and choose and make sort of like a, a new core, James Speck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh Seamaster. Yep. They they do so many they do so many great things. I like that it is one of these brands where they already have all the pieces. Mm-hmm. I think you yeah, just gotta do put anything. them together. Yeah. Um, but uh great stuff. And yeah, hundred meter speedy, I think people definitely like speedy nerds would love it. Mm-hmm. Which is like it feels like that's who they're they're preaching to these days with the that new thirty one uh thirty eight sixty one uh speedy is very much for people who know what the speedy is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree on that. Uh, uh, what brand do you want up next? Let's 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 take an easy one. That's kind of a, a good move from Omega. I would say IWC. IWC, sure. You know, I think we're both in agreement. It's time to revamp, bring back the, a proper Aqua Timer. Yeah, right? I, th- I think that they've done such a nice job in the last three or four years to relaunch the Pilots lines mm-hmm. um, and and to 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 bring some some size 
39 millimeters, 40 millimeters into the fold, you know, new Mark series. These are all really good moves, yeah. but it does feel like they've almost entire, and this is how things go with, with big watch brands is they have to focus on a line for yeah. a season or two seasons or whatever. Yeah. And I think that, that as a brand that they've really focused on the perpetual calendars, they've really focused on, um, on, uh, uh the Portofino and the Portuguese. Um, but, the aqua timer's not getting that same amount of love. I mean, the last time I think, and Jason, you could you could correct me. I think you're on this trip, but the last time that they really did a big Aqualand push was the Galapagos. Sorry, aqua timer. Yeah, you say that again. Oh, aqua. How many times did I say Aqualand? <laughs> no, just just that time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, for the aqua timer, uh, I think was around the time they did the Gal- the the Galapagos uh, edition. Yeah, I think of, so. It kind of had that rubberized internal feels like external years ago, bezel. Right? Yeah, right, right. Because it is. It was years ago. And I think, um, y- you know, IWC used to have this formula. This was during the Georges Kern years where they every year we'd go to SIHH and it would be our focus this year is on a different family. And we will mm-hmm. do minor updates to some others. But this is the pilot year. This is the Portofino year. This is the Portuguese mm-hmm. year. They've kind of stopped doing that a little bit. Um, I think the era that that I love, and I think you're in the same boat, is that GST uh, era from, uh, I guess it would be the early 90s, where they had the the integrated bracelet in the case. A lot of it was titanium, although they had steel versions. The dive watches had internal bezels with two crowns. Not my favorite functionally, but boy, those watches looked good. And They're I so think pretty, though. They shared yeah. some architecture across the family, so... You know, you, I could see, you know, if I stepped in there, um, I, I'd largely leave Portuguese and pilot alone. I think they're doing a great job with those. Yeah, I agree. think to do sort of a shared architecture or case style between Ingenieur and Aquatimer and then make the Aquatimer the dive version uh, would just be a smart move. I think going back to that integrated bracelet and some smaller sizes, slimmer, keeping the angular cases. Um, and then just doing some some interesting complications. They used to have an alarm version of the GST. They've, they, I think they had a compass version. You know, they they've they've done such cool stuff with with those lines with Ingenieur and with Aquatimer. And I just I feel like it's missing now. Uh, it was such a yeah. great family. I miss it so much. Yeah, I mean, even even the the current Aquatimer automatic is yeah. a watch that like even they don't talk about. Yeah, I can't even think of it anymore. I mean, I've, I've forgotten what they even look like. Yeah, and I actually, I actually think it's a great looking watch. I haven't used the sort of two ground system where they put the nine o'clock crown as the one that controls the Riot. Oh yeah, um, but I think it's a great looking watch. It's already forty two millimeters, so I don't have to, I don't have to come in on my first day and say like, why don't you guys make a dive watch for someone who wants to wear it all the time and doesn't want a, a hockey puck on their wrist. Mm-hmm. But at forty two millimeters, I think that they could literally take the watch they have right now and just give me some more colors, like. Um, I think that like the Aqua Timer could use a little bit of what AP did with the Offshore, mm, yeah. where like they just kind of made it their fun one. Yeah, right. Like the Portuguese is pretty serious. The Ingenieur sure. is, is also a fairly serious watch. The Pilot's watches are are great, and they're iterating with bronze and green dials and and the rest of it. But imagine if if this even if you just took the the current Aqua Timer Auto in forty two millimeters and just gave it a bright yellow dial or yeah. a bright orange dial yeah. or like a Robin's egg blue dial, like just make it something that feels like fun dive watch mm-hmm. and then iterate from there. I mean, there's no reason that they couldn't take this exact watch, which is really an amalgam of the, of some elements from the GST watches and then some from the, the later aqua timers like the Cousteau. Sure. And then there was that, that kind of final generation before they got quite a bit bigger where I think it was the 3586 or the 3865, something like that. But that was the one that had the partial um, the sapphire bezel with the partial yellow accent in it. Oh, yeah. I had one of those. Yeah. Which is yeah. a gorgeous watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a really, really nicely made. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, there's still a lot of that design language in the current Aquatimer. Mm-hmm. I just wish they did, did did more. Do more Aquatimers. Do some that are yeah. a bit smaller. Do some that are, 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 do one in a carbon case. Like, really kind of make it your offshore, I think. Right. Right. Or, or at least go go in that direction where it feels like something kind of exciting and fun that just flatly is like like a, make a really cool product that just ignores the fact that a, that a submariner exists. 
Yeah, true. I mean, IWC has always been, or they were, kind of the anti-Submariner. I mean, in the 90s, I mean, they looked like nothing else. They looked very, Mm -hmm. okay, they looked a bit sober and and Germanic, but I I think that that was what people knew them for. They were kind of this, they had that tie with Porsche design for a number of years, and they were were kind of known for this function first. And like, but I think they could go in a more playful direction like you're talking about. And I'm, I'm just surprised that, you know, a big brand, big savvy brand like IWC isn't playing up its uh, dive watch line more given how popular dive watches are with every single brand out there. I mean, everybody's doing splashy dive watches and, and IWC, I just feel like they're kind of you know missing the boat a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that we wouldn't, we wouldn't even have to look that far back. They had, they had some just like, like we said, some really cool stuff from the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, take the current aqua timer, do the blue orange thing on it and, and do another Cousteau series, like support, support Proteus. I'm sure that um, Fabian would be mm-hmm. entirely on board with that. Uh, make it on a great rubber strap, make it, you know, with a quick chains uh, bracelet. Yeah. So you could go between one, one and the other really easily. Those, those watches that, you know, the, especially the ones that we're talking about, this IWC one, the, the Cousteau, aqua timer the mm-hmm. Cousteau divers watch um you know that's a proprietary lug uh so it it has a sort of similar to like what how an aquas is yeah uh where the you know it's a it's a much thinner interlug channel for for the bracelet or the, or the rubber so you make sure that you've got the the really nice straps all kind of on lock right. maybe do a fabric a rubber and a steel include all of them kind of like vacheron does yeah, uh, with the overseas, and then yeah, I think I think the sky's the limit. Make a cool alarm one, make a GMT dive one, and you know, do do the the chronograph. Uh, there, I think there's a lot here. They make an amazing movement. They really make a lovely watch, um, and 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 I think that they they already have most of what they need when it comes to the Aqua Timer. Just mm-hmm. do more and and make it maybe a little bit more fun. I, I yeah. like the bright colors. I like these these sort of watches that feel like they they would only exist on the crew of some amazing dive vessel or yeah you know like that they they have that mix of seriousness and 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 sort of tropical fun to them right uh, right. when when they have that color and and in my mind just so much more endearing than a submariner yeah yeah good where are we going now so much personality uh all right let's see let's do another one so that was iwc let's jump to braymont Okay. I mean, mine's, mine's a simple one and I've, I've, I've expressed my desire uh, to, to Nick and Giles for, for a few years now. I'm not sure if they're listening to me, but um, I want a supermarine chronograph. I'm, I'm a big dive chronograph guy. I mean, I've got this Benthos, I've got some T-graphs, um, the Aquastar Deep Star. I, I just, I love that ultra functional, tough watch that can do anything. And I think the supermarine is my favorite family from, from Bremont. And I think a, a chronograph, maybe, maybe you do a couple different versions. Maybe you do a two register kind of picture their alt one C formula, but in the S 300, the Supermarine 300. So the smaller kind of more classic looking one. Yeah. But for then sure. do like locked pushers, you know, go big with like the S 500. I think the S 2000 might be a bit, a bit much, a bit too big, but like an S 500 with, with locking uh, push pieces, um, and then kind of a more classic version, you know, with, with two registers on the, on the, the S 300, I think would, would be just killer. I think I'd love to see that. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, I think for me, I would go in a few different directions, you know, I, for a long time, I felt like I would, I, I personally would really like, um, a sort of blending of the MB two and the solo. Hmm. Um, which I think they kind of have done with elements of the Airco, yeah. um, but I like the 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 format of the MB2. Yeah. But I would rather I would rather it again with the sword hands from the from the solo. You have my solo currently, my solo forty three. Yeah, yeah. And it has these nice, you know, super legible, big, loomy sword hands, right? Right. On a right. nice white dial. Um, and I think I do the same thing. I would make like a a, a small. We'll go with a smaller case size, 39, 40 millimeters. Um, with an internal, you know, adjustable kind of like two crown with the roto click. Yeah. So really just a smaller MB2, but then instead of it being a, a 60 minute Riot, I would do a, you know, a 12 hour bezel so you could track another time zone. Oh, sure. Uh, so you could call it a solo twin time. You could call it an MB solo. Um, but I think the goal here would be to make, I think you could do it in, in, in one of the, the HMAF cases to keep the cost down. Mm-hmm. And I think you could make like a really, really nice accessible, you know, it could, it could represent the, the starting point 
for their their pricing yeah. for a sports watch and just offer it on a simple strap with like you know a, a really simple case like do everything to kind of keep the the the, the overall cost down yeah and uh, and get it to get it to people who want like a, a really kind of like in I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I uh, you know as I'm wearing my Explorer two make like a, an Explorer two kind of sure. I don't yeah. think it necessarily needs the GMT. Maybe you make a GMT version down the road. It would depend on movements, right? Like if it's going to be a collar GMT, then kind of who cares? Mm-hmm. The twelve hour, the twelve hour bezel is kind of just as handy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I think just a, a a really kind of nice looking, easy to wear on different straps, uh, kind of blending of a of a white MB and a, and a solo would be pretty fun. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I'm just a smaller MB. Yeah, I think it'd be really. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that the, some of the, the idea of miniaturizing an MB is probably difficult because there's so much structure inside protecting the movement, mm-hmm. the, like the, the, that core feature of the MB. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, something that would be uh, fun to see. And then the other thing is that for me is actually also for the S 500, I would like a version of the S 300 that looks identical to the 500. Huh, okay. Like I, I like the size of the 300, yeah. the 40 millimeter sizing, but yeah. the 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 current S500 is a seriously beautiful dive watch. It is, yeah. And I would love to see that just down at 40. Yeah, yeah. Make it a bit thinner, make it a bit smaller. Sure. Uh, and and uh, but otherwise, I mean, I, I did the dial treatment's incredible. The bezel on an S500 is great. Uh, you know, a lot of lot of water resistance. Really nice crown. All of that's a plus. I just think it would be super fun to see at a, at a slightly smaller size. All right. Well, I, I, I've got an easy one for us. Um, okay. What about we move on to uh, to Zinn? What do you think they should do? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wrote down. Not sure. I would change a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think Zinn's. I think Zinn's got a, like an incredible lineup. They've got yeah. a watch for just about anyone. Um, and anything like if if you wanted to say, oh, I wish they had more really interesting high end stuff. Well, they're doing more of that. They do yeah. it some every year. Yeah. And if you say like, oh, I really wish they were still focusing on the entry point, they definitely mm. are. They've got the the new U fifty diver is a, a perfect size, an incredible watch, and 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 they're they're. I think that the brand is actively working to kind of make sure that their lineup is a little is nice and holistic in terms yeah. of if you want a big Zin dive watch, they make that. If you want the same thing but a bit smaller, they make that. If you want a chronograph, they've got that. I, those, I, yeah, I, I don't think that they're. There's no, I don't see any big holes in their lineup. They do what they do and they do it really well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, with almost any kind of company, there's always this desire, this sort of forward momentum that pushes companies to get bigger and expand and et cetera. And I just think what Zinn has done is they've, they've maintained that kind of, I don't want to say cult following, but, but they have their base of, fans that include us uh, wholeheartedly but i think they they've managed to maintain their i don't want to call them underdogs but you know small brand attraction while still turning out you know big brand quality and, and some great watches i think the only change i would make um is make them more accessible get get go beyond watch buys for north america i mean i think everybody yeah. wants that everybody wants either a dealer network or you know you can just you can buy online direct from zinn or something where you can you can see these watches instead of having to sign up for one retailer, one distributor's roadshow. I think, um, yeah. you know, that, that's what I would do. I would just blow them up bigger. Yeah. The watch buys guys have done a great job with it for what, for like within their business model. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, it would be great if there was a way where when we talk about a Zin and then somebody writes us and says like, Hey, I can't see this watch anywhere. Yeah. Um, that there is even just a, like a storefront or uh, some sort of a loaner program or, you know, mm-hmm. like other brands have found ways around this, mm-hmm. but it would, it would be great. Yeah. It'd be great if there, if it was like, uh, if, even if watch buys made the deal, like whoever, however it came out is not really our concern, Yeah. but the, the, you know, just that maybe, maybe in five big cities, three big cities, yeah, you could see them. Uh, in in person, you could try a U fifty on or or whatever. Even if you had to, you know, make an appointment or whatever, right? Uh, to figure that out, I do agree that yeah, the 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 method in which they're sold is is not bad in any way. Just isn't as modern as what some other brands have done. And and for the U S context, it is just one. There's one way to buy them. Yeah, yeah. All right. So after Zen, let's do. We do Seiko. Yeah, we can do Seiko. You know. For for me, I'm getting a little bit of limited edition fatigue. I think it feels oh, like yeah. 
feels like every month there's a new limited edition of some sort. Um, and I've lost track and, and I, I like citizen as just a, a core brand that just makes great watches for anybody and everybody at the high end and at the low end. And I just think, I don't know if, if that strategy is working for them. Maybe it is, and maybe that's why they continue doing it, but I'm just, I'm just so over the, the limited editions that they're doing. So I'd, I'd put a halt to that. Do one a year or something. Yeah. It, it does feel like a lot. And I think it's one of those things where if you, if you really focus on, on Seiko in general, like you see all of their releases, it can feel like a, like a, a, a river that moves very quickly. And I think it's just how many markets that they exist in. Yeah. So they, they're constantly turning out new watches and not all of it is going to apply to every level of enthusiast or, or even just to like our little corner with TGN or even Hodinkee. Yeah. You know, they, they sell to a world that's so much bigger than the enthusiast base of the, of the watch space. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 they do, they, they make so many things, but I, I agree that the, the, the LEs almost seem like there's so many that, it's not appealing. Right. Yeah. And and half the time, not even half the time, almost all the time, the, the one that doesn't have the the special dial or the additional branding or whatever is more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love scuba diving, but if I was buying a, a turtle, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't go for the patty one. <laughs> right. Same here. I yeah. just don't, I don't really want to watch that says patty on the dial. I want yeah. the one that just says Seiko, just the Seiko one. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right. And and you know, this maybe some of that's the the vintage Scuba Pro six three oh nines and stuff. Those are cool, but again, I think they're kind of cooler without Scuba Pro on the dial. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think I would I would agree with that. And you you have another note here, which is you know to do. Uh, uh, and this is this is the what I would have written down if you hadn't written it. Uh, you know, is to make a modern version of the six one three nine. Yeah, and I I actually wonder if they're they're ripe for that. I mean, given the recent sort of vintage reissues that they've done. Uh, it almost feels like we're, we're, we're primed for that. You know, we, we, we got the yeah. turtles, we've got the, you know, the, um, the six one Oh five, the Willard reissues. We've got the, the 62 Moss reissues. Um, it's, it's time. I mean, come on, Seiko's, they were there at the beginning with automatic chronographs. They should. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're due. I, I would agree that, that, if if you could if you could snap your fingers as a CEO, it would be incredible to have a modern Pogue. Yeah. Um, what comes to my mind immediately is what movement goes in there. Because hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I I think Seiko's chronograph movements are quartz until you get into GS movements. I feel like I've seen an automatic chronograph from them recently. If, and if not, it needs they need to dust off the six one three nine movement. I mean, the, look at look at the the things that Zenith and Omega have done you know, touting and resurrecting and polishing up their, their old chronograph movements. I think Seiko could, I bet it wouldn't take much for them to, if they, if they don't make one already, you know, pull out some six, one, three, nine drawings and, and I, get those. I'm almost up. positive that I, I'm just blanking really hard on, on, uh, on a modern chronograph movement that they make. Maybe, like maybe something in some something of the presage stuff. Yeah. But yeah. even then I maybe, maybe that stuff is, uh, is, uh, you know, is quartz or, or kinetic. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. They also at Seiko that they, they, they have, they would have the ability to make a chronograph if that's what they wanted. And, and I think it would be super fun to see them iterate on the, there's so many versions. I mean, people know yeah. the Pogue, um, right. but there's so many other classic say UFOs and, and, and the rest classic kind of Seiko, chronographs right. that they could pull from it, it my guess is it's just a question of getting the movement together yeah yeah but i don't disagree that i think and and especially i would say that their their watch lineup is is sorted it's really good yeah there's, there's i would actually probably say it could be smaller just make fewer watches mm-hmm. but that that's that's uh that's going to be a disconnect between what i know of the watch industry as a, a guy who doesn't actually work in the watch industry proper yeah, <laughs> like if I've never had a corporate job in this industry, so I'm sure there's a reason for every one of the SKUs that they make a business case. Yeah, um, but I, I would say yeah, the the dive watch lineup is solid. I, I don't think it needs a lot of focus or or time and energy right now, but the chronograph would be uh, could be a huge move for sure. Yeah, yeah. Even True. just looking back at their history, there's like an endless endless supply of great designs. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so let's uh let we'll do well, let's do at least one more, and we've got kind of a pair here. So let's close out with uh, Tudor and Rolex. Okay, yeah. Why don't uh, I? I mean, you're the one that brought this up years ago, and we still haven't mm-hmm. seen it uh, with Tudor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, as the moment the moment they told me my my desk phone was online, I just start just 
dialing <laughs> any extension that would land and just show Pelagos GMT. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just again, just yell it, hang up, dial another one. Yeah. Pelagos GMT. Just let's get it done. <laughs> you know, I I think I think that the stars are aligned here. Um, the I believe in my heart that there's a way to take the the movement from the BBGMT which is a 41 millimeter case Mm. and drop it in the 41 millimeter case of the Pelagos. I I would absolutely love that. Uh, I would buy one for sure. Uh, Mm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still tempted just by a a normal Pelagos. And if I, if I've ever found myself in the need for a dive watch, which could happen, I'd have to liquidate uh, a, a, you know, a quiver uh, here, but uh, I could definitely see owning one, especially like every now and then you catch a photo of a wrist shot of a two liner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the early ones, and those are, those are pretty sweet as well. But then then I couldn't have the blue, and then I still think a lot of times if I ever came close to buying one, I'd be like, but they might make the GMT. <laughs> Can you imagine a blue GMT with like a yellow tip? Or yeah, GMT? like imagine oh, a, so a blue orange sort of yeah, motif. Yeah. I think a, a, a little while ago, back um, Monochrome watches the another great uh, watch website. They uh, they used to do these things before Basel, and I'm, I'm sure they'll continue when Basel continues. But before Basel, they used to do these sort of um, like Photoshop renderings of what they think might come out from Tudor and Rolex. And they've done they've done a really fantastic uh, uh, Pelagos GMT with the 24 hour uh, marking on the bezel and and an additional uh, hand that's very much in line with the GMT master style hand, but in full white. Mm. Uh, some color tweaks on that. I mean, a blue one would be wild. A blue one with a bit of color, like some orange, would be even more wild. I think that would be good if they maybe limited some of the text on the dial. Uh, but otherwise, that would just be, yeah, get, 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 me, get me into that CEO seat and let's get a GMT <laughs> in the Pelagos for sure. You know, the Black Bay gets so much attention, and, and we talk about the Pelagos a lot. But it, it, it truly is, if you step back and look at the last five, ten years of watches, I mean, it, it's possibly okay this is i don't throw out big statements here but the pelagos is probably you know one of the most significant new dive watches to be introduced in in the past decade maybe 20 years um you know just in terms of its capability its design it's it's very original looking and yet retains the the tudor sort of uh you know, oh, i hate to use the word dna but dna um you know with the markers and this and the hands yeah, and, for sure. You know, I mean, it appeals across the board. I mean, you get guys like, you know, I remember seeing Conrad Anker speaking here in town about, you know, his mountaineering escapades and he had his old beat up Pelagos on his wrist, um, you know, and and then, you know, divers are wearing them and, and adventurers. I mean, it's just, it's the ultimate sort of adventure watch. And I could totally see a GMT version, skip the helium release valve on the side and, and, and do the you know, make, maybe make it 300 meter water resistance instead of 500 or something like that. Could, you, could you imagine uh, an L, uh, the LHD oh, in, in a oh. GMT with that the with mm. that whole aesthetic? Oh, take man. a little bit because they've got that red marker. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe put that red on the GMT oh, hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 They're great. They're great watches. I definitely, definitely want to own one one day and I definitely hope it's a GMT. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, we've definitely put this wish out into the world many times. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to uh, Rolex. Yeah. What uh, what what would you like to see from Rolex? I mean, how many times can you perfect further perfect these uh, these sports watches of theirs? I mean, the, the Submariner, the Sea Dweller, they're just you know you know however you feel about the design, bigger, smaller, etc. They're they're just superior watches. What I would love to see, and this may come as a bit of a surprise, is you know Rolex back in and my history with vintage Rolex, especially non-sports watches is miserable. So I'll get this horribly wrong, but you know, they used to make this triple calendar chronograph. I think it was the reference six, two, three, six. This was back in the forties, fifties, maybe, um, you know, bring something like that back, make it steel, make it, you know, reasonably sized and, and give it a moon phase and a triple calendar, uh, and kind of an elegant, but wearable, very Rolexy, uh, sporty, but elegant triple calendar chronograph. I don't, I don't think this is the direction they go at all with any of their watches. So this is definitely a long shot. I know that they make a Cellini dress watch that has a moon phase. That's a a beautiful dress watch. Yeah, those Um, are pretty, but I'd love to see a triple calendar chronograph. I'd love to see Rolex come out with something like that. I think it would catch everyone off guard and I think it'd be pretty popular. Um, I I would love to see that. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. I think, I think a lot of those, there's a lot of stuff from, before the era of the Explorer. Yeah. 
um, that that they could they could work with and make in steel and may, maybe bring people in from a different vector than just wanting a sub or a Daytona and not mm-hmm. being able to get it. Yeah. In in my mind, the the obvious thing is it's you know it's 2021, so the Explorer Two is 50 years old this year. Mm, yeah. Uh, the last time they updated it was 2011 for the 40th anniversary. Oh, sure. Uh, so I think we'll probably see another Explorer 2 this year. Um, yeah. My hope, uh, you know, being a huge fan of the 16570, is that they abandon the 42 millimeter sizing. Oh, yeah. Um, and just move, move it back into the 40. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, again, if I was the CEO, it wouldn't be a maxi case. It would. I would basically say, could you guys just make the 16570 again? Yeah. Um, you know, I like, I like a five digit Rolex. I, I prefer them with the thinner case and the thinner lugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I, I also like that the, the Explorer two, everybody says is 40 millimeters. It's 39. Yeah. Uh, like strongly 39 measure it from almost any, any vector, you know, not including the crown of course, or the crown guards. Um, I think that Rolex probably includes the crown guards or just calls it 40 to maintain 40 being their size across most of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think that the Explore 2 has always been this sort of oddball, weird, you know, Rolex, you know, the, the one in the group that doesn't quite fit in, but, but still manages to do all the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's part of what I really love about the watch and, and, and I love its history and, and I love, uh, the, the ambassadors that have, you know, kind of carried it. So it's my favorite Rolex, but I don't really care for the two one six five seven zero. Oh yeah, uh, which is the current. You know, I thought the the move to forty two millimeters was unnecessary in my mind, mm-hmm. and to go both to the the sort of super case size, and then also the maxi dial with the really big loom plots and the really big hands. Yeah, the proportions are all off. Yeah, and there's something in my mind, and and again, I couldn't have a bigger bias towards a sixteen five seventy. I literally have one on my wrist. It's my favorite modern Rolex. But in my mind, the proportions of the of the forty, the thirty nine or forty millimeters, sixteen five seventy, were perfect. I mean, this watch was in production for more than twenty years. Yeah, it it's it really is a nicely refined, beautifully wearing, and and I you know I just love a, a Rolex with a white dial, and they're they're rare now. Yeah, uh, they kind of always are. Um, so that's what I would do. I would say you know get get us a new Explorer two, uh, something that takes it a little bit closer to to where we were previously with it. Um, I, I like the, yeah, I hope they continue with the white. I like the orange accent. I love the steel bezel, all of that stuff I hope remains. I just don't think that it needs to be as big as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see I think that. You could make it right in a, a, a standard Explorer case, the current, yeah. uh, two, one, four, two, seven, zero. Right. Right. I wonder if uh, they would be super fun. I wonder if they would keep a, a steel bezel as much as I'd love to see it. They seem to be going ceramic with everything. And I wonder if they would try to figure out a way to. I mean, a black 24-hour fixed ceramic bezel would look okay, but it definitely doesn't carry the same. It looks sort of, really weird on the white one. Yeah, it would definitely look very if, strange. If they, continue to, if, they, if they decide to continue offering it. Yeah. For me, the, the, that bezel is, is like in many ways what makes the watch the watch. Mm, especially when it gets beat up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so much better with some scratches mm-hmm. and with some of the paint's been knocked out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's that super distinctive way that the light hits that radial finish. Yeah. It's the fact that you really can't refinish them. Mm-hmm. Like people try and people do, but you, it, it's pretty obvious. Like there, it's a, it's a complicated finish that's on them. Yeah. Um, I think they're super legible. There's also like, it's just, it's a watch that looks great on its bracelet, which isn't something that I typically care at all about. And I think that's because there's just so much steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, within view. I, yeah. I, I just love this watch, but uh, I, my guess is we'll see another one from them this year. And, and, and I hope, I hope that they massage it in a direction that's closer to the Explorer than it is to being the Explorer's uh, deep sea sea dweller. Yeah. Well, good, 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 good way to finish. I think with uh, yeah, we got a stack of yeah. brands. There's a few more, and and I think this is something that we'll we'll come back to mm-hmm. in a few months. If there's a brand that you would really love to hear us, you know, uh, fake CEOs <laughs> weigh in on, <laughs> if you want to get a question into the upcoming Q and A, which we'll be recording for next week. Drop us a line, thegreatnado at gmail.com, record it in your voice memo app on your phone, and just send us that file. Uh, we're going to get to as many of them as possible. Uh, Jason, what do you say, uh, like always, uh, final notes, bow on the show, et cetera? Yeah, good idea. So I came across a video, I think it's a recent one, from a guy who's pretty well known on YouTube. He's uh, he's an extreme downhill mountain biker named Danny McCaskill. Um, he's Scottish, and he, he just does some insane 
uh, videos and, and the, the, the work he does, the control he has on a, on a mountain bike is just incredible. And, uh, this latest one is, isn't quite as, um, acrobatic as the ones I've seen from him before, but in terms of scenery, uh, and, and what he's doing, the boldness of it is just tremendous. It's called the slabs and it's on his YouTube channel and we'll, we'll throw a link in the show notes, but, uh, McCaskill's great. He's, he's, he's a pretty humble guy. He's, you know, he's cut from that, that Red Bull cloth. Um, but I think, you know, he does a little talking at the end of this video and he kind of comes across as this sort of, just sort of nerdy, enthusiastic guy. Um, and, uh, and he's in his home of Scotland for this one on the Isle of Skye. And he's, uh, he, uh, hike a bikes with his, uh, with his downhill mountain bike to the top of a, a well-known, uh, climbing route called the slabs, uh, the dew slabs. And, uh, and then he rides down and, uh, it's, it's just an impossibly steep, um, really technical riding on these, these narrow drop-offs and, uh, you know, it, it's all shot beautifully with, with drones and with well-placed camera people. Um, and basically he, he hikes up to the top with his bike and then, and then heads down and finishes at this incredibly pristine, beautiful lake at the bottom. And, and I think the, the combination of the scenery with his riding skill is, is just mesmerizing and it's, it's not a long video, but, um, and then once you, once you watch that, if you're not familiar with Danny McCaskill, just click around his, his YouTube channel and watch some of his older videos. And, and the guy's just in, incredibly good. So um, yeah, he sure is, you know, Gashani and I really were, were planning to go to Scotland last year before everything before the dung hit the fan here. And, and, uh, uh, it, it, this video just made me want to go back even more. I think it'll be one of the first places we, we go when, when all this is over and we can travel uh, comfortably again. And, uh, I, I really want to get to the Isle of Skye and I'd love to, I'd love to climb this peak. It just looks amazing. So it does look amazing. Yeah. yeah no, this video is incredible. A great pick. A few people sent it, uh, to us, uh, via, uh, email as well. So thanks for everyone who sent that in. He really is a, a remarkable guy. He was also my introduction to Band of Horses, the the musical act. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he he put one of their songs in a video before he was with Red Bull. Okay. Um, which I think is mostly filmed around a city, probably a city somewhere near where he lives. Yeah. Um, but it, it's more trials based stuff, so the balance work. Right. On various like city elements. Yeah, like um, tops of fences then, and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and then this is this is a little bit closer. This one is a little bit closer to what he's been doing with Red Bull, which are these chase videos. Yeah where some of them are in, you know, he did that one like in not like Portofino. It was like a, like a, a coastal city, right? Um, right. A European, a coastal European city, maybe Portugal or something like that. But, uh, and that ended with this like giant jump into the ocean. And <laughs> his video, his videos are super fun. And like, well, I think you said this in our Slack that he's like the, the candied Thovacs uh, yes. of, of mountain biking, yeah. which is super, you know, there's something really kind of playful and and fun loving about what they're doing it's like it's it's silly yeah at a certain extent it's so dangerous but then it all all of it is so dangerous and belies so much skill and, yeah. and balance and practice and time yeah mccaskill's done some uh, all, all this stuff is great so yeah. that's uh, definitely definitely worth a watch yeah what have you got so yeah for my pick i went with um uh, the recently relaunched top gear america on motor trend so Motor Trend is, for those that don't know, is, is of course a very famous and, and well-loved magazine about cars, but it's also a full digital publication platform, including a lot of like TV grade shows, like a lot of shows. Um, um, they, they have their own app. It's kind of like a, a Netflix for cars, uh, lots of great hosts and everything else. And, and they recently did a deal, I guess, with the BBC to get uh, Top Gear on that platform. So if you want to watch all the old Top Gear with Clarkson and Hammond and May, that's all on there. If you want to watch some of the newer stuff, I'm, I'm not really sure how you get that without a BBC player. But uh, part of this whole deal is that they're doing a, a Top Gear America, which a couple other people have tried in the past. It's a difficult sort of thing to replicate. The, the lightning in the bottle effect of the original Top Gear has been something that people have been chasing for a while, and it really comes down to the chemistry of the hosts. Anyways, this new one, they're three episodes in so far, but it is, it's an interesting mix where they've got two sort of famous people and one guy that is uh, in my world famous, but is more of an auto, known to be more of an automotive journalist than a, an entertainer. So that they've got Dak Shepard, who you might know from uh, many different things. He's an actor. He's been in lots of TV shows, married to Kristen Bell. You've Rob Corddry, who's from uh, also an actor and a comedian. Uh, you know him from various, you know, comedy network stuff as well as ballers and you know like he's been in a lot of stuff 
And then finally, you have Jeff Robovingdon, who, if you're not really into the car scene, the car automotive journalism scene, you wouldn't know, but he's one of the better hosts. Uh, a British guy, a, a very talented driver. He's funny. He's, he's a good host. He's a great pick for a Top Gear. Absolutely. <laughs> and the three of them come together. And, and you know, a lot of it is going to be about them kind of building their chemistry into the show. But for the first three episodes, super watchable. Really fun. If you've got a Motor Trend on-demand account, definitely worth your time. And if you don't, the account's really not that expensive. And there's like tons and tons of shows on there. Hmm. You can you could be more of a race fan. You could be more of an off-road fan. You could be wanting to watch build shows. You could be wanting to watch you know sh- shows about uh, the way that cars are covered or built or designed or whatever. It's a uh, it's been there's tons and tons of stuff on there. Um, you know they 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 made a really if anyone from Motor Trend is listening, you made a weird mistake <laughs> canceling. Uh, Ignition and Head to Head, Johnny's shows. I thought they were fantastic. They're the reason I subscribed to the app originally was to see those shows, you know, before they would make it to uh, to YouTube. So if anyone from MT is listening, can you guys get Johnny back on uh, on a show or two? That'd be fun. But otherwise, the the lineup's great and and I've really enjoyed uh, Top Gear America so far. Oh, nice. I mean, I think a lot of times with, with a lot of these uh, paywall uh, content providers, you know, it's so low risk to pay the, you know, three, four, seven, eight bucks a month. And then you, you just binge whatever you want, get the most out of it. And then if you want to continue, you do, but if not, you know, so it's, it, you know, for a few bucks to, to try out even a couple of episodes of Top Gear America to see if you like it isn't much more than, as they say, the proverbial cup of coffee. So yeah, it's a good, good idea. Yeah. So there, uh, I, I couldn't remember what I paid for it, um, but they have a free trial, so you don't have to pay oh, anything. There we go. They say that they have over 8,000 episodes of automotive content, wow. which definitely sounds right. There's a ton on there. A lot of it is produced by them as well, so the quality is very consistent. Yeah. And it looks like they're asking after the trial, it's either $5 a month or $45 a year. Okay. Not much at all. Which yeah. really doesn't seem like much at all. You know, a little cheaper to go for the year ends up costing, you know, less than three months of your Netflix. Yeah. If you like cars, I absolutely think you should be uh, subscribed. There's like, you, there's always something to, to go in and click around and learn. It's uh, I've, I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Nice. All right. That was a good episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, as always, thank you so much for listening. You can hit the show notes via hodinky.com or the feed for more details. You can follow us on Instagram at Jason Heaton and at J.E. Stacy, And you can follow the show at The Grey NATO. If you have any questions for us, please write thegraynado at gmail.com and keep sending in those voice memos for our upcoming Q&A. Finally, please subscribe and review wherever you find your podcasts and music throughout is Siesta by Jazzar via the free music archive. And we leave you with this quote from Henry David Thoreau, who said, success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it.